Hey everybody, welcome to The Common Good this hour. We're going to do an update about the coronavirus, and we're going to talk to a local pastor by the name of Calvin Lidstrom. That's coming up next on The Common Good. everybody, happy Monday and welcome to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Really glad to have you joining us on this Monday. Although, Ian, I'm not sure which day it is right now. They all just feel <laughs> the same, don't they? Yeah, it feels like a, just a big ball of Play-Doh at this point. It really does. I'm uh, Every day it's, it feels a little weird, but we do know today is Monday. And uh, we know for all of you out there, these days are really weird, although we are starting to get used to them on some level, being mm-hmm. at home, uh, all of our social distancing, and hoping for this to make a difference uh, as we continue to figure things out in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic. We hope that you're doing well. Kind of Ian and I's goal with the show uh, is is to talk through the heavy news, but then also give you moments of lightheartedness and also hear from some people locally some pastors and some ministry leaders about how they are processing and how everything uh, is going for them. So uh, you can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show. Find us on Twitter at Common Good Talk and uh, find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, review, and uh, we are grateful for all of you uh, who are doing that. Well, just some updates uh, and things change uh, with the day. Uh, but uh, the, uh, President Trump yesterday said what a lot of us thought. You remember last week he said he wanted uh, the, the everything to be open again by Easter Sunday. And uh, his, his doctors have gotten to him. And so uh, President Trump yesterday said that it's at least the federal guidelines are going to go at least till the end of April. So there were all of us with kids in school are kind of like, okay, well, that's what's coming next. Uh, his doctors, Dr. Burks and uh, Dr. Fauci, have started throwing out numbers of like 100 to 200,000 deaths mm-hmm. uh, as a possibility in our country. And, and so it's a little weird, man. I'd love to know how you're doing because in the normalcy of it all, watching movies with my kids, just kind of being together as a family, you then start to read stuff about this many deaths and this much, and you start seeing those things from New York City, which are really hard to watch, and all of these other stories. How are you doing just kind of processing? How do you go about processing all that you're seeing and experiencing? Well, we've we've tried to be more intentional about just building in some really specific rhythms. Like my wife and I have a a journal that we're we're working through together. It's specifically oh, about you know, marriage, but it's something that also kind of creates intentional space for us to dialogue about what we're processing or thinking. And the other thing, you know, is like, for me, even just establishing more consistent rhythms of prayer, just something on my phone that sets an alarm, like, hey, this is a good time to kind of back away from the laptop for just a second. Like, it's not anything mystical or magical, but I I have found some of those rhythms to be really, really helpful. And like, helping provide some perspective because like you, sometimes, you know, you're watching a movie with your kids and it can briefly for a moment feel really normal. And then you hop on Twitter, you look at the news and you're like, okay, this, this is still a very real issue, a very real problem. We also, I don't know if we'll talk about this later in the show, but we're in the middle of a series called how to get through what you're going through. And so I was, I was talking about uh, on Sunday, the stuff that we cling to instead of God and even Mm. just in preparation for that, that was really convicting and having to really think through, all right, what's some of the stuff that maybe I've been holding on to or, or adding to God as a, you know, 
a sense of security or a sense of comfort. And, and in, you know, with all of that, and I think sermon writing has a way of sort of kicking up some of what's really going on, you know, underneath the, uh, the heart level. So that, that was uh, helpful at least for me, I think, but yeah, how, how we're navigating it changes by the day, you know, because we're trying to do our best with logistical things like, you know, grocery shopping and making sure that we're disinfecting everything. And yes. boys are too young to, to really know what's going on. So even that gets kind of tricky. Like I took my boy for a long walk yesterday and the weather sort of fit the mood. It was really like gray and yep. ominous, but like no one was out and anyone who did pass us, like, you know, walked to the other side of the road or wouldn't make eye contact. And, you know, I was like, I don't think the disease is transmitted via eye contact. I don't know. That you, <laughs> but, like, but you know what I mean? There's just a general sense of like social fear and 100%. and observing that, you know, kind of out and about was kind of strange. So it certainly led me to a, a more kind of somber posture, you know, knowing and seeing now more and more frequently people that I know and care about who have friends or family members who are, who are sick. Like, I, I think that's just going to keep getting more and more real for us. And I hope that yeah. it, it produces some level of at the very least pause and reflection, but that's, that's probably where, about where we're at. Yeah, it's been really weird a little bit to have, um, it, like, it is so bad in our country, but it's not so bad where we live currently, right? Right. That there's still, like, this separation where it, it, it's this weird, like, okay, we're at home with our kids and doing kind of just family things, life's slower. You start to read people on Facebook talking about how much they're enjoying the time, and I totally get that. But then you turn on your news and you start reading, you know, I'm from out in the New York area. And so to start seeing things and I was texting with a police officer, buddy of mine from New Jersey, and he was telling me some of what it's like back there. Hmm. And, you're just, and it's still so strange. Like I don't feel it in my, uh, by myself. And then I turn on the news and it just kind of jerks me back. But even the little stuff, like you said, well, uh, we went on a long family walk to this morning uh, just to kind of get everybody out and get the blood moving. And every time we started to pass somebody, it was really weird because instinctively, either us or them got off the sidewalk and into right. the middle of the road and walked right. around. It wasn't even like a, it, it would have been weird if we hadn't done that, you know? And I, it got me thinking, like, how long is that going to last? Do you think that's, do you think in some ways our culture, there's no way to know this yet, but I'd love to see you guess. Do you think our cultures, whether it be in our churches or in our neighborhoods or at sporting events are just forever changed because of this? Uh, I think to some degree, yeah. I, I think, uh, I hesitate to use this word, but I think that there is going to be uh, some level of a sort of PTSD uh, after yeah. all of this that yeah. it's, it's going to bring up. I mean, I think for a long time, and I think um, w- when you experience something like this, and everyone still seems to be experiencing it very differently. You know, we, we know, we'll talk later in the show about some communities that are still sort of calling it a hoax. And some people yep. are saying yep. my, my faith is stronger than fear. Therefore I don't need to take precautions. Like we're still seeing a lot of that. So obviously we're not all experiencing it, you know, exactly the same, but there, I think there will certainly be skittishness at the very least, but probably something closer to the realm of a, a sort of PTSD when it yeah. comes to, you know, the first time that we're able to gather together on a Sunday or the first time that we're all together at the office. Or I think, that, I think those things, for for a lot longer than maybe we're currently anticipating are going to be affected. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with like the last minute and a half we have left uh, before break, uh, you, you and I both did what a lot of pastors do, and we both spoke to empty rooms this week. Yeah. I think you said it was your first time doing it since uh-huh. all of this started. What was yep. it like for you? 
Yeah, it was it was really bizarre. It was uh, it felt weighty. It certainly. I mean, I I feel just incredibly honored and humbled to be able to teach at all. But it it is extra strange because there's like like a couple of people in the room who are, you know, manning the cameras or the soundboard. But you know, even simple things like not getting any response to a, a joke or I remember yeah. feeling incredibly nervous. Maybe the most nervous I've felt preaching in a long, long time, to be honest. Yeah. It is just a strange, strange sensation of being up there looking at a camera. Yeah. You're used to the interplay with people. Actually, radio has helped a little bit because we don't get interplay with our people. But even, yeah, right, right. even on radio, at least you and I get to kind of bounce things off of one another. Uh, and so it is a strange deal, but it's where we're at right now. And so yeah. uh, we, we're praying for all of you out there. Would would love to hear how you're doing. You can interact with us on our Facebook page, The Common Good Radio Show. Well, Uh, Coming up next, we are going to talk to a local pastor by the name of Calvin Lidstrom. Uh, We are excited to talk to him, to how is he processing all that's going on, what's going on in his church, and uh, does he have any words of encouragement for our people out there? That's coming up next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Really glad to have you joining us on this Monday afternoon when things are still weird, but we're all still kind of processing and figuring out this new normal for us. Uh, One of the things Ian and I have wanted to do over the last week or two is to have other voices, other pastors, other ministry leaders, uh, to kind of give a window into how they're doing, uh, how they're continuing ministry, but also hopefully to be an encouragement. And along those lines, uh, we are excited to be joined uh, by Calvin Lidstrom. Calvin is the pastor of the Church of Christian Liberty in Arlington Heights, uh, is also in Christian education as a teacher and an administrator. Uh, so Calvin, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Brian and Ian, it's, uh, it's great to be with you. Thank you. I, I guess I would just start where, there. Uh, how is how are you processing all that's going on? All of our lives have been kind of thrown upside down. Uh, how are you just kind of working through the day to day and processing all of this? You know, it, it's taken about two weeks to try to find a new normal, and I don't know if that actually has happened for me or <laughs> for most of my congregation. Um, a portion, we're, we're not a large church. Uh, some of our members are connected directly with our school and educational ministries. So it's, it's been uh, different for, for them. Um, we, we just celebrated as our church, our 55th anniversary. Wow. And it was strange that we were not together. It was a little bit yeah. anticlimactic uh, in, right, in that right. respect. Um, you know, you, you think of what we suffer. Some of it we say is first world problems and mm-hmm. try to keep perspective on that. Um, we, we have had, I, I know some staff, that, that have been sick. I don't think any of them needing hospitalization at this point. Um, but we, we've had some staff and, and I know in one case, um, their family, uh, that, that was ill. We assume it was from this, but I, I don't know that they were tested. Hmm. So at, at first we were kind of watching this almost like it was, um, a slow moving iceberg or something. And yeah, it right. caught off in the distance. I was yeah. like, Oh, I wonder, if, I wonder if that's going to hit our ship or if, if our ship is going to hit this iceberg. Right, and right. Now it's kind of, I guess we're running into this iceberg and, and learning whether uh, how many people can fit in the lifeboats, as it were, or, you know, kind of what is the next, uh, the next step for us all. 
So I'm wondering, can you help us think through theologically then, just as a, as a pastor and an educator, like what, were, what would be some things you would encourage people to think through or think about uh, as it pertains to uncertainty or fear or pandemic in general? Like, do you have any, uh, any particular ideas or constructs that have been helpful for you as you're sort of navigating these uncharted territories? Sure. Yeah, you know, uh, some of it really, I, I've been doing some reading on this and, and I want to try to address it. We know, we know that God does judge, but we're not given divine revelation in this case to say, oh, it's for this specific reason. Um, you know, if, if we think of what our nation deserves, it makes me tremble. However, we, we know that God is gracious. And so we, we do have to try to keep all of Scripture together so that we speak. And, and one thing I guess <laughs> I've learned is sometimes the experts don't always know what's going on. And that includes <laughs> theological experts. So oh, yeah, we, for sure. we do want to be cautious and, and uh, get down from our ivory towers, as it were. But, um, you know, I was doing a little reading of uh, the biography of John Calvin. And they were dealing with uh, the outbreak of the plague. You know, you have the, the Black Death in the 1300s. But for the next couple hundred years, it would reappear, uh, it raise its ugly head. And they understood it as a time of judgment uh, when, when it appeared. And it was a frightening thing for those who had to minister, especially if you had to attend a sick person. Mm-hmm. And we are starting to f- almost feel that, oh, boy, if that person was sick, I don't know, I want to be around them. And, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're living in an age we just haven't had to deal with. So I, I think we can't say, you know, God is sending a judgment in general because it is shaking the world. And our prayer from that is God's mercy and grace through his people also is manifested. And I would love to say, hey, this would bring people uh, to realize the brevity of life, to, to realize there is a day of judgment, an ultimate day of judgment that all people will face, and that this would be opportunity when churches are not able to meet together for worship, but we are still the church, yeah. and we still must serve as God's people, the church. So I would, love to, I would love to see some growth that comes to us individually and corporately through this, but I also know human nature is it's hard to break our routine. And so it really must be God who works in us uh, to really learn from this lesson. Yeah. As an educator, I'm wondering, what would you, uh, what did you see or what do you see in our kids, how they're processing this and maybe a word or two to parents of how to help parents kind of walk kids through this scary time? You know, that's a, that's a great question. My, I have, uh, I have six kids, Uh, some of them homeschool, uh, my one son uh, was attending our Christian school, which obviously has not been meeting the last two weeks. So it's it's put us all together again as a family. Yeah. And I'll say this, it's not always as romantic as we would love to say it is. Uh, coming together as, as family, different schedules. Um, it's been challenging at points, especially mm-hmm. for my wife, a little bit for me. So I want to say this, if you're, if you're struggling as a family, you're not alone mm-hmm. uh, in this. Uh, you know, the, the ideal the idea that homeschool families have this perfect life and everything goes by this schedule. Um, homeschooling is a great blessing. Having your children at home, I think is a great blessing. And, and let's look for that. It, it, it actually has made me appreciate my children more. Mm. <laughs> uh, some of the, some of the struggles uh, and, and challenges. So, you know, if, if there's some frustrations, some bumps on the road, I would say, you know what, press, press on yeah. uh, mothers and fathers, I think really have to, 
try to communicate and work together as much as they can. Uh, you know, I, my, I am blessed. I can spend more time at home and yeah. try to help out with my wife and uh, some of the homeschooling there. So, you know, try to, I, I think it's good to, to try to be organized. God is not a, a God of disorder. But at the same time, you know, you make your schedules and, you know, they may not work out exactly. There are technical problems. One of my right. sons uh, having some tech issues, getting stuff navigated. You know, we're going to have to to roll with the punches. But as a homeschool family, we, we do try to keep a schedule so that it's not just a, a free for all. But it's not it's not always easy. So I think we, we, we learn to pray for our daily bread. Mm. And maybe that's that phrase is pressing home a little more closely for us. Yeah. Mm, that's good. Yeah, we, I, I'm reading yeah. in your bio here that your background is actually in engineering. I'm wondering just like in the last minute or so that we have left, could you talk a little bit about what that journey was like to go from engineering into Christian ministry and education? Sure. Yeah. I, I loved engineering, kind of a math science person. But when I, when I was reaching a crossroads, graduating with my undergrad degree, I, I had a chance to travel to South Africa. And there I, I learned my, my real passion was working with people, families regarding education. Mm. I, I liked the engineering aspect, but realized it was good training, but not, not where I, I believe the Lord was really calling me. A lot of that was my father, who was a pastor, teacher, educator. So it kind of pushed me into a, a new direction. I'm grateful for that, thankful for my engineering studies, but uh, the Lord has directed my steps in a, in a decidedly different direction. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Calvin, thank you for just taking this time. I know these are uh, really strange. Ian and I are both pastors. These are just strange yeah. times to pastor, lead it churches, is. lead schools, and uh, and strange times for everybody. So we really appreciate you taking the time. You've been listening to Calvin Lidstrom, pastor of Church of Christian Liberty in Arlington Heights, uh, also at Christian Liberty Academy. That's the name of your school, right? Christian Liberty Academy? That's right. Christian Liberty Academy. That's right. That's right. Well, Calvin, thank you so much for joining us today. Blessings, brothers. Take care. You Likewise. too. You too. You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Uh, one of the things uh, as we've been recording, as we've been doing these shows um, during this pandemic, we've wanted to get other voices for you to hear other pastors like Pastor Lindstrom, who we just had on uh, or our next guest, uh, Leonor Ortega Till. So uh, she was nice enough to record some stuff for us that will hopefully be an encouragement. Ian, uh, this is a contact of yours. So why don't you tell us who Leonor is? Yeah, she's incredible. She also uh, plays in one of my all time favorite bands ever little band called Five Iron Frenzy. If yes. you were a Christian around the time that I was coming up to junior high, high school, early college, I guarantee you've heard that name before, but she's also just got a, an incredibly big heart, ton of like entrepreneurial drive and energy. And between her and her husband, they're just doing a ton of really good things in the world. And I thought her perspective on how to kind of navigate this unique season that we're in was just really timely, really wise. So I asked her to kind of share some of her wisdom with us. Awesome. Well, let's listen to Leonore and then we'll, we will respond to it. 
Hello, listeners of the Common Good in Chicagoland. My name is Leonor Ortega Till, and I am sending hellos and blessings from the city of Denver. For two weeks now, our family has been social isolating under the advisement of the local government for about a week now, maybe a little longer. Colorado as a state has been given a rating of A, so it feels very much like we're in this as a greater community. This has been a big effort on behalf of our state, but because so much of my own societal community has been cultivated by being in a rock band, Five Iron Frenzy, and touring and getting to know people all over the nation, I realized early on that the implications and opportunities for this time set apart would be massive, would be on a global scale. The news of our need to take COVID-19 seriously came in waves throughout each country, each state, each community at different times. And so like a domino effect, people began to feel the impact at different times. On March 14th, 2020, I posted this message on my social media page. If you need to verbally process while stuck at home, feel free to private message me and we can figure out a phone call time. As an extrovert, I get it. Well, after I posted that, people responded and I was making five to seven phone calls a day after that post, which is good for me because I am super high energy. Um, I've learned a lot through this little season. In the beginning, I wasn't sure how I would be able to encourage those calling. But after about the 15th call or so, I began to see certain themes and messages that were repeating. There was one point of view that I had that was proving to be helpful to at least a handful of people, the ones that were reaching out. For some people, the idea of having to be home, social isolating, meant a waste of time, a big black hole that held a similar question. What do I do with my time? And I was reminded of the one resource, the one gift I wanted, but didn't have at a particularly challenging time in my own life. In 2013, I had two elementary age kids, a full-time job at an urban church called Scum of the Earth in Denver, a particularly difficult congregation, and my band, Five Iron Frenzy, had just gotten back after a nine-year hiatus. Five of Iron Frenzy had booked a tour and I had so many songs that I needed to memorize on tenor saxophone. And that's not easy when you have two little kids, a full-time job. I'm kind of an unfocused person anyway. I have a lot of high energy. And so I needed to have a space and a time set apart. So I did some research and I found a beautiful little retreat center in Southern Colorado. They're, they're hermitages. It's run by a Catholic retreat center. And I decided to go for a week and just be alone. A time where my brain could download, basically. A place where I could reflect and be with God. I loved it. It was amazing. It was a massive gift. I had time. I had space. I read eight books a day, random times. I ate my meals alone when I wanted. I took baths when I wanted. I made a fire in the fireplace. In the middle of the day, I could play saxophone or in the middle of the night. I could walk and hike and talk to God, just have all of this time to have a balance between input and output. And I started to share this message with people on the phone. And I would ask, what could this time, this social isolating, this time at home mean for you? What could you pick up that you might have put down? What could this time this week be for you? Is it a time set apart in some way that inspires you?
And what about you? Maybe you have something in your mind that you really want to pick up again, but you're, you're scared to start because starting means you might be bad at the beginning. Well, that's the interesting thing about being a creator, a cultivator, an entertainer. When you start out, you're not going to be very good. And that's what's really cool about having some time is you get to be bad at the beginning, right? I spoke with one individual, this guy, and he worked for Netflix and now he's let go for a while, for a little while. And he's saying, I don't know what to do with my time. I'm just watching movies, watching movies. And I said, well, what else are you interested in? And he's, you know, nonchalant. Well, I have a home studio I could use. Hey, I told him, why don't you just pretend like you booked yourself for an entire week for free? I talked to him yesterday and I'm super happy to say that he's already recorded four songs. Basically, we just have to rewire the way we look at this. And it's not going to be the same for everybody. I'm not saying we don't have challenges, but I am saying that it would be a big mistake to simply consume and consume and consume when we are also called to be creators. We are also called to cultivate, to have a balance. What could this time set apart mean for you? May you find a way to take each season and allow it to be a time set apart by God, a time to create and not just consume. And of course, if you need a phone call, you can always private message me. Man, that was that was really good. What stood out to you from what your friend Leonor had to say? I mean, it's a, we talked on the phone before this too, so a lot of it for me was so spot on. I think it's obvious why a lot of this resonated with me because it's, I think in this time of social distancing, it's easy for us to feel like we need to like hunker down and kind of focus just on ourselves. But she, as a, as a creative, uh, really feels inspired and motivated to help challenge other people to still think creatively. I think when we go into survival mode, it's easy to sort of like have this scarcity mentality or this hunkered down mentality. And some of that can be very, very helpful. But I think often what ends up happening is we turn off all of our creative drive. And I think that is going to be what helps a lot of us keep some of our sanity in the midst of a quarantine, yeah. in the midst of like we were talking earlier you know, bad news after bad news or things that are scary or the unknown. Um, but also just being really mindful of like what kinds of information we're actually letting into our brain space and into our homes and what kind of stuff we're creating and putting out. I just think her perspective is so unique and so necessary in the midst of all the noise and chaos right now. It is so interesting the way that she put it and you just kind of highlighted as we're hunkered down, as we're kind of shut into our houses, I've actually kind of started to feel that like, a little bit loss of creativity, a little bit loss of like rhythm. Like what am I supposed to be doing right now? Right. Uh, and so I think her saying that was really helpful for me to hear. Like, how about we use this time instead uh, to be creative, creative with our, with in all, in all aspects of our lives. Um, yeah. Is that something that you're finding difficult right now kind of being shut in or is that something, what are you doing with that? Well, it, I mean, it totally depends on the day because some days like I feel more tired than when everything was normal. Like Agreed. sometimes there's, you know, I'm at a screen probably more than I typically would be. So I have to be really intentional about a lot of my creative stuff still happens on a laptop. So I'm trying to be intentional about thinking through creative things, creative mediums other than a computer. I love what she was sharing though about just being this extrovert and having this energy and she's been making these phone calls. Uh, to people that just need to talk to someone like that is a way that she's not only being mindful of her own kind of extroverted wiring, which I would encourage everyone to do, be mindful of how you're actually wired, but then finding creative ways, not just to see it as an outlet, but she's actually like caring for and loving other people in the yeah. midst of this. So it's not just about like, Oh, I got all these creative ideas and I got this creative juices. I need to like get it out there. 
But if you can find a way to utilize that or leverage it um, to actually make the world a better place or to care for people, I just think that's really important. So I, I can't encourage you enough. Check out our website. All that's on our Facebook page. What they're doing in the world over there is just remarkable. And I'm, I'm so, so grateful for them. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you to Leonore uh, Ortega Till for giving us some time. And hopefully you found that as an encouragement. Well, coming up next, uh, we're going to try to go some good news. We're going to go good news route and try to give you some laughs as well. That's coming up next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Everybody, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Uh, You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at Common Good Talk. You can find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. This is a great time. We're all in our homes, so let's listen to old podcasts. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review. And uh, we are grateful for those who, who do that. We're grateful for Calvin Lindstrom and also... Uh, for Leonore Ortega Till, if you mi- if you missed either of them, uh, go ahead and find them on the podcast or also at 1160hope.com. Uh, Ian, last week you started something that I really appreciated. We kept looking at the Good News Network and trying to highlight good news. I found two things that I want us to listen to, and we're just going to listen to them actually back to back. The first one uh, is from John Krasinski. If you don't know that name, that is Jim from The Office. Uh, he has started something on Facebook called uh, Some Good News Network, and it's just highlighting on Facebook. Uh, he does it kind of funny like a radio show or like a TV news broadcast of just good news. Uh, and then after that, comedian Jim Gaffigan doing kind of a bit from his house talking about quarantine life with his kids. So I want us to hear both of these. Uh, and then you and I can react to them. Let's go ahead and listen to those. Good evening, everybody. Even though it is very clearly the afternoon, and welcome to SGN. John, what is SGN? That's a good question. For years now, I've been wondering, why is there not a news show dedicated entirely to good news? Well, desperately seeking my fix somewhere else, I reached out to all of you this week, asking, nay, begging, for some good news. And boy, did you deliver. After reading those replies and the incredibly heartwarming stories that came with them, I thought, all right, enough is enough, world. Why not us? Why not now? So, ladies and gentlemen, this is your fault, and this is SGN. I'm John Krasinski, and if it isn't clear yet, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. And now, for some good news. And what a week for good news it was. Because yes, without question, We are all going through an incredibly trying time. But through all the anxiety, through all the confusion, all the isolation, and all the Tiger King, somehow the human spirit still found a way to break through and blow us all away. Nowhere was that seen more powerfully than in the heroism of the global healthcare community. Now, these men and women are working day in and day out. They are putting their own health on the lines. They are putting their own lives on the lines for complete and total strangers. And they're doing it without the need for so much as a thank you. Well, luckily the thank yous came anyway. And the heartfelt appreciation was seen on a global scale. As you can see, I am here in quarantine. Or is it on quarantine? Either way, I'm here and obviously I don't normally look like this. Uh, The quarantine has kind of you know, affected my appearance. All right, fine, this is what I look like normally. I've been here with my family in our apartment for 
six decades, six days, six days, dinner, lunch, breakfast. But you know what? I'm trying to use this time to reconnect with my wife and our beautiful four children. Five children. One of them short. Honestly, in February, when I heard rumors about hypotheticals of us being quarantined in our apartments and houses with our families, I, I was mostly worried about being bored. And then I heard Shakespeare wrote King Lear while he was on quarantine during the Black Plague. And here's what I've learned. I'm not bored. I'm not bored at all. Creative production, none. No King Lear. But you know what? I also realized that Shakespeare, probably if he was writing King Lear, he wasn't helping his family. He wasn't helping his wife. So really, we should look at maybe canceling Shakespeare. The second thing I learned is all these movies and shows about post-apocalyptic times were wrong. There was not enough emphasis on toilet paper in those shows and movies. I don't know what some people are doing with the toilet paper, if they're eating it, but some of those people should probably get some roughage in their diet. The third thing I've realized is I love the internet. Thank God for the internet. The internet has been an invaluable tool for communication and also for creative outlet. For not just me, but also my family. Dinner with the Gaffigans. Dinner with the Gaffigans. Dinner Every night we do this YouTube show called Dinner with the Gaffigans. And to be honest, that show brings my family together and maybe makes us not kill each other. Anyway, I love you, Internet. When did that article go up? And finally, I learned it's possible for one man to eat two weeks of food for seven people. You ate all our food? Um, don't tell your mom. Mom? Be safe, everyone. All right, I wanted to do those, Ian, for a couple different reasons. One... Uh, like you said last week, just highlighting some good news, I think, is really good for the soul right now. Uh, two, laughter. Laughter is good for the soul. A lot of us feeling that way quarantined up, like Jim Gaffigan does there, uh, but he can kind of uh, put his finger on it and make us laugh. Uh, what do you, when I say, Ian, that good news and laughter are good for the soul, uh, but yet some of us probably feel guilty laughing right now and doing things like that. Uh, how important do you feel like it is for us to get doses of laughter and good news in our days these days? I, I think it is important. I, I think we also need to be careful with it, though. I remember, gosh, how long ago was the the Pokemon Go thing? That would have been like four years ago, right? Yeah, not going to surprise you. I was not, a fa- I was not in that. <laughs> I, yes, n- n- neither was I. But okay. I remember... That whole craze came shortly after, gosh, some tragedy, and I can't even remember which one. I think it was a shooting. Okay. And I remember posting online something like, man, the the speed with which we move from tragedy to Pokemon is really sobering. Mm. And the comments were sort of divided because some people were saying 100% totally agree, and other people were saying, yeah, but... The, the grieving though can be so overwhelming that we actually need sometimes distraction or like in this case, good news or humor. So I don't think it's, I don't think you can make a blanket statement either way. Sometimes I do think we use 
humor or distractions as sort of an escapism. Yeah. But I also think sometimes it can be really healthy to not just totally be underwater all the time, brooding about every broken thing in the world. So I don't know. I, th- I think it's a balance. And I think it's, um, it depends on the person. You know, we've been talking a lot about Enneagram yeah. and a lot of times stereotypically yeah. Enneagram sevens don't want to deal with pain. So maybe a seven needs to like better lean into some of that while maybe an Enneagram four needs to be willing to laugh a little bit, even in the midst of, you know, stuff that's kind of scary. So I, yeah, I think, I think they both have their place and I like Krasinski and Gaffigan anyway. So yeah, (laughs) kind of predetermined to already appreciate them. I remember post nine 11, uh, you remember the net, the, uh, late night hosts, there was this big deal about when would they come back? And I remember right. Right. Letterman eventually coming back and crying and saying the best thing I can do for the country is to help them laugh. Yeah. And, uh, and, but seeing the weight of it. And uh, I think, I think that is a really, uh, a really good point. And uh, you're an office fan, John Krasinski. Uh, part of that, I'd encourage you to go watch it because the middle half of it is uh, he interviews Steve Carell and they just laugh. And it was like this, this brotherhood where they were telling each other how much they loved each other. And it was really endearing. (laughs) It was really endearing. It was nice. It was good. It was good. Well, speaking of heavy and not laughing coming up next, we are going to talk about that church in Florida that held a service yesterday and are facing repercussions from that. And then we're going to talk about uh, the least surprising thing that could have happened after Jerry Falwell's decision to let kids back on campus last week. We're going to do that next year on the common good AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone, it's Ian Simpkins here. And I remember the first time that I actually learned about Thriving Financial. I was pastoring a church in Bartlett and me and two other pastors had this dream, this idea to better care for the marriages in our communities. And so we started to dream up this conference idea. What if we actually hosted a local conference to pour into marriages and couples in our churches, in our neighborhoods, in our communities and Thriving Financial kind of came alongside and not only like made the conference possible, but they were actually interested in partnering with us as churches, as pastors, to help people not only be wise with money, but to live more generously, which was always a value that I had and always struggled to find organizations that actually wanted to help our churches do that. And so that's actually kind of the beginning of what's been a really beautiful journey and relationship with Thrive and to actually be wise with money, to live generously, and to help other people do the same. And so if that interests you, I'd encourage you to go to Thrivent.com to learn more. Coming up this hour, we are going to talk about that church in Florida in trouble for holding a worship service yesterday, and then Jerry Falwell in the fallout at Liberty University. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. Uh, you can continue the conversation with us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show. That's the Common Good Radio Show. You can find us on Twitter at Common Good Talk. Uh, and you can find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Go ahead, uh, subscribe, rate, and review. And uh, we are just excited and, and thankful for those of you uh, who do podcasts. So Ian, last segment before the top of the hour, we had some laughs and we had some good news. I'm going to take us completely the other way here to start this hour. 
So sneaky, Brian. I did it to you. I did it to you. The River Church in Tampa that I mentioned, I'm supposed to be in Tampa right now. That you have mentioned our, a couple of times. That was supposed to be our spring break. Oh, not, 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 uh, not painful at all. <laughs> um, River Church in Tampa yesterday was packed to the gills with worshipers who clearly were looking for hope. Pastor Rodney Howard Brown, who presides over the mega church and has been reportedly defiant over social distancing, has claimed he'll cure coronavirus just the way he did with Zika. He has vowed he will never close his church, despite every doctor and scientist saying social distancing is the only thing that will prevent the disease. And to keep going, they've said stuff in Florida about what they're allowed to do. So the follow-up to this today, uh, the sheriff, Chad Cornster, uh, announced he obtained an arrest warrant for Rodney Howard Brown, the Pentecostal pastor uh, at the river at Tampa Bay Church, who ignored social distancing orders and encouraged the packed services held over the weekend. So I'm curious, when you first saw this story, what did you think? And then are you surprised the guy's getting arrested? I'm so frustrated by stories like this, man. I'm glad that we got some good news in here already. I have to um, try to mitigate some of my expectations when it comes to these (laughs) things. But holy cow, why? What is the, I'd love to know. I mean, it would be, for what it's worth, a fascinating interview. Like what is yeah. what is the end game? I do think it is tough, and we've seen this throughout the generations. When you build an infrastructure, and churches are particularly uh, prone to this, where you speak on behalf of God, um, not only does that give you carte blanche to really kind of lead in whatever capacity you see fit, but then it also, if you've led in a particular manner, will yeah. will lead to a type of followership that is. Um, trusting of that guidance, I guess. So it's yeah. it's not just, it'd be one thing if it was like pastor of 10 still help, hold service. Turns out it's just his family. You know what I mean? Like that would be an entirely different story. But the, the fact that he not only is ignoring these orders, but that there are hundreds and hundreds of people that are willing to ignore them with him. That's part of what uh, bums me out. And I think, and again, a lot of people listening might say like, he's one outlier though. Most of the churches are uh, sure. behaving most of them. And you're totally right. So, you know, um, on one hand, I want to applaud all of the churches and pastors and leaders who are leading wonderfully right now. And they're taking necessary precautions and they're thinking strategically about how to care for their, you know, their community digitally. Um, this guy's an outlier for sure, but it is still, it's frustrating. It's dangerous. And it's, I think it's damaging to the name of Jesus, to be honest. Absolutely. And, and like you said, 99.999 of the churches that we know of, right, are doing it right and doing what they do. Yeah, right. They're doing do. great. 100%. Uh, but I can't tell you how many non-Christian people I saw on Twitter yesterday retweeting this church. Yeah, right. Uh, that they were doing this and this kind of whole thing about, uh, oh, here, here go the evangelicals again. You know, this kind of thing. Right, right. And you're just like, come on. Uh, And then speaking of that, a bigger story that got more national news, and I think rightfully so, is at Liberty University. We talked about this last week. Uh, Jerry Falwell uh, said that they would go online like every other college is doing, uh, but that they were going to welcome any students back who wanted to move back into the dorms. And everybody was saying how terrible of an idea this was because coming back from spring break, who knew where they would been? And, you know, if you know anything about how a virus spreads, uh, being in dorms is not a really good way to do it amongst college kids. Well, 
lots of kids came back. And wouldn't you know it, it was reported yesterday that at least 12 students were displaying symptoms at Liberty University of the virus. Three of them were sent to a local hospital, while another eight were urged to uh, self-isolate. At time of this, there had already been confirmed that one of them uh, had tested positive for the virus. And uh, man, when you put these kids in this in this close proximity, there's no telling what's going to happen on this. Even if now they send everybody home, that's almost worse. There's no telling what's going to happen now because of what I would deem uh, an arrogant uh, and a um, uh, yeah, an arrogant decision again by Jerry Falwell to go. Nope, we're not going to listen to the authorities, and I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And now lives are in danger. Uh, both at his school and in the surrounding area. So what do you, I mean, try to climb into his head for a second. What What do you think is behind this? Is, narcissism. Is it, nah, but that's too easy though. Like, is I do there, think the guy's a narcissist, but okay. that's, I, I mean, that's, and that's, that's fair, but I, can you drill down deeper? Like it isn't, <laughs> is, even narcissists still have hearts sometimes or a concern for their own health or public health. Just just because you're a narcissist doesn't necessarily mean that you're reckless. What do you Good think point. it is that really is behind this decision and in decisions like it, you know, talking about the church in Tampa? Like, is there really a, uh, is it naivete? I don't think it is. But I is don't it, think it is. Is it wanting to make a grandiose expression of your faith as sort of a an act of worship? Like, is it in in, in their minds, what do you think is really going on there? Yeah, like uh, this article that I'm taking some of this from uh, literally says this right here. After nearly 2,000 students flooded back to Liberty University fresh off of spring break, the school's president, Jerry Falwell, is mounting a one-man stand against the governor, local officials, and the New York Times. (laughs) And that he's saying, I don't want to listen. to You can't tell me what to do. This is my school. Right. And uh, I'm going to make the decisions. And so the governor came out and basically forced his hand when he said there can't be gatherings of more than 100, I think, at the time. Or I don't know where they were at. Uh, And so that's when Falwell said, we'll go online. But he said, I'm still going to let kids come back. It was kind of like it from my perspective. It was an arrogance that said, you can't tell me what to do. Hmm. Uh, and he bashed the New York Times reporting as false and misleading. Uh, he dismissed the coronavirus pandemic and accused the media of trying to fan it up to destroy the economy. A lot of things you hear from some far right people. But I think his decision now, quite frankly, could lead to great uh, spread and illness. I can't imagine, though, it's also not going to lead to some lawsuits against Liberty University. I'm not yeah, how aware, could it not? For sure. but I would have to think that he's just put that school in a really bad spot. Now, imagine you're a parent of one of these college students. What's going through your brain? Like if you're, they're giving the children, the children, the students yep. options yep. to return. Um, you have a, let's say, a, a freshman in college. And she's like, Dad, I think I want to go back. How are, you, how are you navigating that conversation? I would have said, you are getting, I'm coming to pick you up if I need to. Hmm. Like, uh, you know, I don't think college kids, as we saw, now this is an outlier, but as we saw with all those pictures from spring break in Florida, 
Uh, I don't think they're adults yet going, hey, do whatever you want. I would have, there's not a chance in the world I would have let my kids stay there. Not Good. a chance in the world, no matter how badly they wanted to stay with their friends. Are you surprised by how many parents did? Like those numbers I, are higher than I would have anticipated, to be honest. I, I am. And I don't know what that says. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know how to die. I don't know how to dig into those numbers. It's tricky uh, though, for sure. It's layered. There's a lot of other, there's a lot of things going on in the same story here. It really is. And, and uh, yeah, no, there's not a chance in the world I would have let my kids stay there. I would have paid every dollar I had to for a plane ticket or driven myself to go get them. But uh, yeah, it, there does need to be asked to some of these parents, what were you thinking? Like, why would you let your kid do this? Like you said, layer upon layer of this story. Uh, but at the foundation of this story uh, is whatever it is, arrogance, narcissism, I'm making a statement, whatever it is. Uh, may have just created a hotspot at one of the largest evangelical colleges in all of the country. And uh, that's not good. And that's no, too bad. So. No, we have to keep, I mean, we have to continue being a people of prayer and yes. doing everything that we can to uh, like, like you were saying, you know, maintain some sanity, but also we we have to be cautious. I mean, I, I, I don't mean to make everything on the show theological, but I think everything we do is to yeah. some degree theological. And I think, even if you're like a young spry person, you're like, I don't think it's really going to bother me. Like then for the sake of your neighborhood, for the sake of yes. your community, like let's be a people who are willing to sacrifice for a season what we want to do most for the betterment of other people. I just think that has to be a priority. That's really well put. Uh, coming up next, I'm excited for you to hear this interview. This was an interview done on our station uh, a little while, uh, I don't know, earlier today or yesterday. Uh, a pastor locally by the name of Derek uh, Bukema. I hope I'm getting his name right. Uh, who is pastoring in this time, but also his wife has tested positive for the virus. He has been showing symptoms of the virus, uh, and he opened up and kind of processed and talked about what that all is like. We're going to listen to that interview coming up next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Uh, we want to spend some time letting you hear an interview that was done on our station uh, with a pastor who you sometimes hear teaching on the station by the name of uh, Derek Bukema. And uh, Derek is pastoring, but he's also, his wife has been diagnosed or tested positive for COVID-19. He himself has shown some symptoms as well. And uh, he opened up about uh, all of this story. And so we want you to hear that. Why don't you hear this interview with this pastor? Yes. So um, this is probably unique among the pastors that you've talked to this past Wednesday. So two days ago from the time that we're recording this right now, I took my wife to the emergency room because she was having trouble breathing. And the doctors uh, told her that she has COVID-19. They did all sorts of tests on her and told her she has COVID-19 mm. and uh, sent her back home. So she's home and just told her that there's no treatment right now. So she has to rest. Wow. So um, I've got similar symptoms to her, except I, I have milder symptoms. So I likely have it also, though I haven't been diagnosed with it like my wife has been. So uh, yeah, we're, we're in the thick of it in that in our house, the virus is present and uh, we're living through infections and uh, our kids have had coughs too. And, uh, and so they like, our whole family likely has it. Do you read or hear or watch all these news stories about it? And then when it comes to your house, it feels very... Uh, very different. It's all of a sudden way more personal than any of the news stories that you read about it. We are genuinely really grateful for the fact that the last couple of weeks we've had services entirely online. I know that a lot of churches were having the difficult, were faced with a really difficult decision just a couple of weeks ago 
do we continue to meet in person? Do we meet in person with certain restrictions or do we go totally online? And it was just before, it was like Friday or Saturday before the Sunday service that our elders made the call to, um, to cancel in-person services and to have just totally online worship services to worship through a live stream. And, um, you know, that was really, really tough because I, you know, the gathered worship of the church is so important. It is so essential to the life of the church. And frankly, there were some complaints with the fact that we canceled services in person and went all online. And I understand them because gathered corporate worship, being physically present with the body is so important. And at that time, I had not even an inkling that I might have the virus, right? But there's an incubation period. And so, uh, so coming down with some symptoms at the end of last week, and then Aubrey, uh, Aubrey hearing from her doctors that she had it on Wednesday, it just made me really grateful that we hadn't been physically present with any people two Sundays earlier, because man, especially in my role as pastor, I could have been a p- potentially infected so many people. And I'm really grateful for that. And so we, we feel God, we can see God working in the way that he protected the church just through that before we even knew that this might be a situation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's something I'm really grateful for. One of the things that this has really intensified in the life of my family is our prayer life. And we are regularly going into our front room and we're, my wife and I, along with our eldest daughter, we're physically, literally getting down on our knees and praying. And we pray regularly as a family, but not with that level of inten- intentionality or intensity or focus. And I have been really grateful for those times of intentional prayer and intentionality and focus. And um, they've been really rich and beautiful times of prayer. I'm thankful and grateful for those. And then also just the fact that, you know, we're, we, uh, you know, Aubrey has, I very likely do, but both of our cases are mild enough that we can deal with them at home and we don't have to be hospitalized. We don't have to be on respirators. Things like that are some, are things that we're really thankful for also. So a lot of ways that God has been gracious. And then to the church, one of the things that is true about Christian Reformed churches is that we tend to be churches where there's not a lot of interaction in the course of the sermon. Now, if you've ever been in a Christian <laughs> Reformed church, you know that that's the case. And Reformed <laughs> folks in general have this, uh, have this moniker of the frozen chosen sort of thing. I, there was the, back when the mannequin challenge was a thing, one of my favorite Babylon B headlines was Presbyterian Church unintentionally pulls off perf- man- perfect mannequin challenge. <laughs> so, like that is, that's the kind of services that we have. And, oh and engagement gosh. or interaction can be hard yeah. in, that kind of context. One of the things that has been really cool, I think, is having services online. And again, the online services are a concession. I'm not saying that after this, we're going to stay all online. We want people to gather together. But one of the things I'm thankful for is that as people have been engaging through our live stream services, there have been a lot of comments and a lot of interaction. Mm. And whereas, you know, you wouldn't be sure how people were responding or receiving this, the service. Now there will be you know, a hundred plus comments on the services with people engaging on various points or commenting or, or just expressing praise to the Lord. And I I think that that level of engagement is really beautiful to see. And it's one of the ways that I can see God working in the midst of the congregation, even in this time of separation and needing to worship uh, in a, in a distance way. There are a lot of things that I'm intentionally praying for each time we pray about this. I'm praying in line with Psalm 91, that God would send his angels, that he'd give them charge over us, that he'd command them concerning all of our ways. So I'm praying that God would 
would post angels in our home and in the mm. homes of the members of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church and that he would offer yeah. protection to us and that he would make use of his messengers like he promises in Psalm 91 to do that. Mm. And so that's one of the things that I, that I pray for um, really almost every time that we approach God in prayer right now. I'm praying for, um, for people who are in, um, in leadership, praying regularly for the president, for the governor of Illinois, for the mayor of Orland Park. I'm praying for the leaders of the institutions that are particularly significant to Orland Park Christian Reformed Church. Mm-hmm. In our area, that would be like Trinity Christian College. It would be some of the local Christian schools. It would be Providence Life Services. Um, and I'm praying for those leaders. I'm praying for, uh, for wise decision-making on, in all of those places. I'm praying that God would, would enable us to have a cure. I'm praying that, that he would enable us to be able to distill and find a vaccine. I'm praying for an end to this and to be able to return to normalcy. Mm. And I'm praying, I'm praying that this would be something that God would use to break the church's addiction to consumption and entertainment. Mm. And that he would use this to draw people to trust in Jesus. And one of, you know, there's, there's so many negatives about the virus. And um, one of the positives is in the midst of all of those negatives is that it has, this has a sense of clarifying that which is important and essential. And I'm hoping that people recognize, all right, Sports are not essential. Working out is not essential. Eating out is not essential. Entertainment is not essential. God is essential. And I'm hoping that I'm hoping that that becomes uh, a more present reality and a clearer reality for people in this, in this time. I am also, um, I'm also hoping, I'm also praying that, um, I'm just hoping and praying that more Christians will, will pray and will recognize that some of these rhythms that they have time for will, will occupy their lives more substantially and totally. And I'm praying that for myself because the amount of prayer that we've been able to engage in recently has been really beautiful and it should be a part of my life more frequently than it is. Yeah. One of the things that I'm wondering about, and I don't have the answer to this, I wish I could offer you an answer, but I, I don't know how... I I don't know how long this is going to be. I'm not sure how long we're going to be quarantined like this, but, but as long as we're quarantined, one of the things I wonder is how to care for those who are dying, who are about to meet the Lord. It's one of the great privileges I think of being a minister is being welcomed into the life of a person as they're about Mm -hmm. to go meet Jesus. And it's one of the things that I cherish about being a pastor is you being able to show up on, you know, the day that a person goes to be with the Lord or, Mm. or to even be present in the moment when it happens. And one of the things I'm very sad about is thinking about the fact that as that happens in the next few weeks, if somebody's in the hospital, it's very likely that I might not be invited in because hospitals are not allowing visitors. And so I'm trying to struggle through how a Christian, how a pastor, how a church provides pastoral care for somebody as they're approaching death right now in a time of quarantine and social distancing and not being allowed to be present with that person. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's cutting me to the heart as I think about it. And one of the great gifts that I might be given is if somebody, you know, if uh, there's so much we don't know about COVID-19, but since I might be somebody that has it right now, that it's in fact very likely that I have it right now, 
And if that means that I am immune to the virus after this, it may be that I'm well positioned to be able to go and care for somebody that is seriously ill with the disease or may even be dying from it, that I might be able to go in and care for that sort of person uh, after I recover myself. And I, I pray that that might be the case because that would be a great opportunity as a pastor. It would be really a gift to be able to go in and sit with somebody that is, uh, that is very sick or dying of the disease and, mm. and to be in a place where few people would be able to join with them, to be able to sit with them and let them know um, trust in Jesus is the only thing that matters. And that for all of you that trust in Jesus, the Lord is, is going to be receiving you and you will see the, the goal of your entire life. You'll see your savior. You'll see the one that you have hoped to see for your whole life. And uh, if you're like me, it was just, it was powerful to hear uh, a pastor going through it. You know, a lot of this, we haven't known, yeah. we haven't been able to put names with faces and all this in this story. Mm-hmm. So just a powerful story there. And we're grateful for him for sharing. Well, coming up next here on The Common Good, we're going to talk about an article that says, Overcoming and Conquering Chaos, 10 Tips for Turbulent Times. Coming up next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Everybody, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Thanks so much for joining us on this Monday afternoon. Find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show. On Twitter at Common Good Talk. Online, 1160hope.com. Find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. You you, you sound extra chipper right now. Has something happened? Yeah. I've been locked in my house and just, you know, all this energy wants to come out. So have you been doing that like whipped coffee thing? I see everyone doing. No, I'm not a coffee guy. I have drank a lot of iced tea. I got to be honest. <laughs> I believe that. I believe that. What is the whipped coffee thing called? Though? I feel like I see everybody. Oh, I don't know. Called Del Delgona or something like that. Yeah, I have no idea. I can agree with you if you want. I'll agree with you. You should look it up. Google image Delgona. D-A-L-G-O-N-A coffee. And you might you might be inspired to try coffee again. All right. I will look that up. Speaking of coffee, uh, this may not surprise you, but the longest line in the in Downers Grove where I live is the one Starbucks that has remained open with a drive through. It oh, is supposedly really? half hour, forty five minutes long at some points. <laughs> can't, can't people just steam milk at their house? And I drove by it the other day and at that point it was twenty cars deep. Wow. Anyway, I've never wanted maybe anything that bad. Nope, not at all. Uh, In a minute here, we're going to talk about this article, Overcoming Fear, Conquering Chaos, 10 Tips for Turbulent Times. But before we do that, Ian, tell us a little bit about Thrivent. I would love to, and I mean that sincerely because I'm a Thrivent member, have been for better part of a decade. They're an incredible organization. They're actually a Fortune 500 non-for-profit, and they've been serving people for like 100 plus years. And the reason I bring that up isn't just so that you check out Thrivent, which you should, Thrivent.com. But if anyone listening in particular has wanted to become their own boss, or maybe in these turbulent times, you're seriously considering a career change, well, uh, now would actually be the perfect opportunity. You can visit Thrivent.com slash careers, or you can call 630-598-2128. That's 630-598-2128. If you're entrepreneurial, or you like working with money, or you just like helping people be generous in the world, uh, Thrivent is a wonderful company and uh, you won't regret. So just check it out, thrivent.com slash careers or 630-598-2128 and just tell them that Ian from The Common Good sent you. Well, over at the Christian Post, 
uh, Overcoming Fear, Conquering Chaos, 10 Tips for Turbulent Times. Why don't you give us a little bit of background on this article? What's going on here? So the author is a guy named Shane Eidelman, not Kyle Eidelman. That's right. Of uh, youth ministry fame. And here's how he begins. He says, during this difficult season, uh, we often ask things like, where is God? The irony is that it often takes stormy seasons to turn us back towards safety. The COVID-19 virus is serious. It's affecting all of us in profound ways. I believe God wants us to take this seriously and to be concerned about the health and safety of others. Fear can bring out the worst in us and harm our families, as this article reveals. He links to another article out of Texas. He says, it's not that you or I will never fear, but it's what we do with fear that matters. We have a refuge during the storm if we simply run to him. I don't want to downplay what's going on, but I also don't want to amplify fear. The Bible tells us not to worry. Instead, it provides hope. It's honest about the consequences of sin and pending judgment, but it also offers a solution. Turn to God with all your heart is a consistent theme in Scripture. How people respond to a crisis clearly reveals who or what they trust in. If you're fearful, angry, or anxious, take an inventory. Have you humbled yourself, repented of your sin, asked God to save you? Are you trusting in God or religion, in Christ or your good works? There's no peace until you are right with God, which leads me to the first and most important point. So let me just pause there real quick to yeah. say sometimes Brian and I share articles that we don't totally agree with. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this guy in general, I think is going to have some helpful things to say, but just to start to say, man, if you trust God and you've repented of your sin, you will never be fearful or angry or anxious. I don't think that's true, just to say it out loud. But as as somebody who on this show has talked about very openly myself about just there are certain things that cause anxiety and fear in you and me and just in general, yeah, I'm not sure that that's helpful, but hopefully these points are that kind of point us towards what we can do with that fear. So why don't you take number one then? (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Embrace God's wake-up call. Oh. Uh, Psalm 119 reminds us of an essential truth. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Now I keep your word. Uh, Affliction by difficulties, he writes, challenges and obstacles can lead us back to God. In one fell swoop, COVID-19 has dethroned all of our idols, or I would say is dethroning. We're finally realizing what is really important. And he says, uh, he, he looks at some New Testament, Old Testament passages, and he says, this is how God would get the attention of his people. Embrace God's wake-up call and return to him with all of your heart. So that's number one. I want to be careful about saying that God does this to shake us, right? Yeah, no um, kidding. But I think what we can say is that God still works in the midst of this kind of brokenness. God is still actively at work, and I think we can sign on to that. I would agree more with what you just said, Brian, than what the article said. Uh, Number two, this one's pretty interesting. Difficulties can shape character or ruin it. When affliction came to the writer of Psalm 119, he responded, teach me good judgment and knowledge. That's from verse 66. He was open and teachable. He knew that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but that God would deliver. That's from Psalm 34, 19, which I think there's some truth there. Difficulties can shape character or ruin it. I might even go so far to say, though, that if like the character was already flawed, difficulties more reveal it then ruin it. Mm, yeah, I, don't know yeah. that, I don't know that some season of difficulty necessarily ruins an already good character. I just think it kind of reveals what's really already going on there. Yeah. This next one's interesting. Minimize media and maximize the moment. He says, for me, key verses in Psalm 119 have always been turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things, direct my steps by your word. Time in God's word and prayer changes your heart 
but spending countless hours watching negative and unproductive media will dampen your spiritual health and cause fear. Hmm. Uh, I think there's some helpfulness in that you and I have talked often about there's just moments in this pandemic where we just need to kind of turn the TV off, turn the phone off and just go for a walk or just read our Bible and pray. And I think that's helpful. Yeah, we're not going to get to all 10 of these, but it has been posted on our Facebook page. I would love to know which of these 10 do you completely disagree with or what what you would add to it. He says the number four, which is something that Brian and I have said a couple of times, not quite this way. Fuel hope, not fear. Psalm uh, 119 says, remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort and my affliction for your word has given me life. Fear and chaos need a host, you or me, and they need fuel. You choose what you're feeding and fueling yourself with uh, C.3, what you just said. Take this point seriously. This is where either success or failure prevails. I think that's an interesting charge to pay attention to what it is that we're fueling. That's probably good all the time, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I think his number eight here is pretty interesting. When God tears down your idols, don't rebuild them. Like kind Mm -hmm. of, uh, it goes back a little bit to what you and I talked about at the very beginning of the show. Like, how are we going to be different? It's too early to talk about like, what are we going to learn from this? Because we're not even through it yet. Hmm. Uh, but there is something to be said about it. You know, there's going to be an opportunity when this is all said and done, hopefully, to be able to kind of uh, build some new norms. And uh, it, a lot of times, you know, think 9-11, like, oh, we're going to be different as a nation. And we were for a little while and then it yeah. changed. And so I think as the church, there were, we're probably will have come out of this learning some things that hopefully – we don't just go back to our old ways just in in a hundred percent when this is all over. Yeah, and the one right before the one you read, number seven, seek God before you seek the media. I, I've just been sharing how helpful that's been for me. Making the simple rule of scripture before phone uh, has been so helpful. That's not to say I don't still sometimes consume too much media, but even choosing to start my day differently, like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna begin with the Word of God before I jump on Facebook, before I start reading the news. Uh, that has been a really significant tweak for me that I've found personally to be really helpful. Absolutely. So you can find this list at our Facebook page. Uh, it's it's one of the things I have enjoyed uh, about this show is to be able to uh, interact with some things that we kind of agree with, kind of don't, you know, you and I might see differently. <laughs> and so just still to process that, to get out of our bubble, even in the midst of all that's going on. Well, we do want to provide some laughs and some hilarity Uh, It still feels like we need that. So coming up next, we're going to end the show the way we always do with Interweb Insanities. That's next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everyone. It's Ian Simpkins here. And after I had this experience with Thrivent where we were able to host this marriage conference with two other churches in the area, uh, my interest was kind of piqued with regards to what kind of organization this was. And it was really fascinating because they approached me, who was pastoring a church in Bartlett, and they said, we actually provide these free workshops for people that want to be wise with money and live generously. And so they sent me this link, and it was all these different topics, questions that people in my church actually were asking. And so it was remarkable. They hosted this workshop uh, a number of times in the coming months for people in our church to do just that, to to be wise with money and to live generously. And that's kind of how this relationship began because there was this no strings attached kind of mentality. It was just their heart to give back, to partner with pastors and churches to help people uh, live generously, to be wise with money and live generously. And that was kind of the continuation of my relationship with them. And so if you're interested in learning more, I can't encourage you enough to head to Thrivent.com today. Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. 
Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Uh, we like to end the show. Uh, even in a time of great fear and this global pandemic, we still feel like there's a spot for uh, just nonsense and laughter. And so the way we've ended this show ever since we started this show, uh, however, a year, 15 months ago, uh, is that our producers, they find stories on the Internet that are crazy, that are funny, and uh, we read them sight unseen. So that's what we like to call interweb insanity. And Ian, why don't you go first? Because uh, I think you'll enjoy this one. I don't think I want to go first. Why do we keep <laughs> doing this to ourselves? So dumb. All right, it's out of Indiana. Naked man arrested for violating travel advisory, intoxicated police chase. Mm. Chicago man. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Chicago man. <laughs> it, says, it says a Downers Grove man. Is this no. you, Brian? Uh, is facing several preliminary charges, including violating the local travel advisory after an alleged intoxicated police chase Friday morning. Friday morning? Dude, come on. At the yeah, start, pl- police said he had clothes on. By the end, he was naked and lying in a field, according to police. <laughs> About one ten Friday morning, Indiana State Police were called to Interstate 65 northbound in Clinton County for a report of a reckless driver. ISP said the man was driving about 40 miles per hour, swerving and driving without headlights. The police chase began when troopers tried to pull the car over. After the driver got off the state road 28 exit, the chase went into Tippecanoe County and eventually ended in Clinton County, where the driver tried to drive through a field. Feels like I'm wearing nothing at all. I'm glad I was able to give you the first one. <laughs> yeah, that means a lot, man. Thanks. Thanks You're welcome. <laughs> Number two. Uh, second one out of New York. Moose rescued from swimming pool in New York State. Uh, I like the uh, I like the rhyming here. A loose moose that spent days wandering the streets of a city in New York State was captured and will be re- relocated after falling into a resident's swimming pool. The New York State Police said the moose had been spotted multiple times over the course of recent days before it ended up trapping itself in a swimming pool Wednesday evening. Holly Mercurio said she was sitting on her front porch shortly before six when multiple police cars pulled up to her home. She said she asked an officer what was going on. He said, step back inside, please. There's a moose in your backyard. Well, there's something you don't see every day. That's fun. You know, the whole thing. That was it. That was it. Moose in the backyard got into the pool. Happy ending. They got it out. (laughs) Well, this next one uh, is going to surprise you where it comes from. It's from Canada. Fake coronavirus doctor's note from worker closed McDonald's. Oh, that's not very Canadian. Yeah, not at all. An 18-year-old woman is facing four charges after police say she faked having coronavirus to get out of work. She just didn't want to go into work. Hamilton police... Lorraine Edwards said, with the magnitude of what's happening in the world today, COVID-19 and the seriousness of what we're all having to deal with, this particular incident definitely needed to have police attention. On March 21st, CBC News reported that an employee at the McDonald's location at 20 Rimmel Road East tested positive for the novel, 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 <laughs> novel coronavirus based on an email statement from a company spokesperson. As management began working with Public Health Ontario to confirm the case, Hamilton Public Health Services learned of the incident through the CBC News. I think we need to just make a general rule of thumb for the people out there. Like, don't use the coronavirus in like a hoax or a joke or whatever. Not a great time for that. No, Probably not the way to go. Next one's out of Tennessee. Woman gets coronavirus after bragging about not social distancing. 
Okay. A 21-year-old woman, Tennessee woman, who bragged on social media about not taking the coronavirus outbreak seriously has been diagnosed with the coronavirus. Ireland Tate joked about not following instructions to stay home and practice social distancing amid the pandemic just days before she fell sick. In a social media video, the Nashville resident told her followers that she's aware that we're supposed to be self-quarantining and social distancing uh, to keep everyone safe, but that she wasn't worried. Cool. I get it, she said. I just don't think that I'm going to get the virus. But just days later, Tate found herself suffering from symptoms associated with the dangerous bug. It feels like someone's sitting on my chest at all times. It's really hard to breathe, she said. And then she went on to say, while it may not be affecting you, you could be affecting someone's grandma, grandpa, aunt or uncle or sister, Tate said. That was really stupid. Boy, that's unfortunate. That is. Did you read the one about the kid that uh, licked the toilet seat to say that he wasn't scared and then tested positive? Why? How? Uh, I don't even know where to start with that one. I'm I'm just not going to go into it. All right. Out of Pakistan, a patient recovers from coronavirus, throws party to 100 people, tested positive again. Oh, no. Uh, This is the note we're going to end on? Yeah. We might need to stop. I know we have insanity soon. (laughs) Please, Louise. Coronavirus epidemic is spreading exponentially across the globe. Every country is suffering in more than one way. The number of cases has crossed 700 in India. Oh, this is a couple days old. But its uh, spread has been kept under check by the nationwide lockdown. Coronavirus cases in Pakistan has crossed the thousand mark, forcing Imran Khan postponed his fifth marriage plan. PM Imran Khan has requested the global leaders to waive off Pakistan's debt so that Pakistan can deal with the coronavirus. This isn't really what the headline is. After a shocking news service from Rawal Raul Pindi, yep. where a man who was tested positive for coronavirus recovered after two weeks and doctors discharged him with negative test results to save COVID-19 test kit. Happy with his recovery, the man threw a party, inviting more than 100 of his friends. Everything was okay until a few of his friends started coughing, followed by the man himself. Was that wrong? <laughs> Should I not have done that? Yeah, tough one to end with. We're going to go with that. I'd like to think about the moose that got saved from the pool. Yeah. How about that one? Yeah, let's go back to the moose. Good job, <laughs> way, Ryan. Way to go, moose. We're happy for you. Gracious. Thanks a lot, producers. <laughs> We're going to end with the moose. How about that one? Well, we hope you're doing well out there. Hope you're staying healthy. And uh, we are really grateful. We really are for those of you who are taking the time to listen. Uh, We'll be back with you from 4 to 6 tomorrow. For Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. You've been listening to The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. 